0: Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Man of Podcast. My name is Sam Jesky, and joining me as usual is is my buddy, and fellow theologian, Jacob Lewis, who's rocking on uh, the day that we're recording this is May 4th, which if you're a Star Wars fan, this is a big deal because May the 4th be with you, you know, May the 4th be and with you. And also with you. And it's right. <laughs> if you're a really good liturgical Christian, you'll say and also with you. So Jacob's like on it. He's got, he's rocking the... Uh, A t shirt with the child Grogu on it from the Mandalorian who has won his way in his you know by his cuteness into many people's hearts. I think my wife and I have like collectively I think we have like six Grogu plush toys, (laughs) which is probably five too many, but and there's no end in sight. Actually I got one right there. One of those pop... Oh, like, like uh, those, Yeah, like that, <laughs> ma- that big Funko uh, miniature. I'm not going to take it out of the box. Maybe one day it'll be worth a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wouldn't that be a huge joke? I mean, they, the, the Funko Pops, I don't know if you've ever seen those before, if you're listening, but they are major collector's items. Uh, wouldn't it be funny if like, maybe 50, 80, 100 years from now, those are worth absolutely nothing? But I... I I don't get that impression, but anyway, we have one of the child. Um, but, uh, yeah, on this uh, 4th of May, may the 4th be with you. Um, <laughs> and uh, But in all seriousness, we're ready to jump uh, back into the Augsburg Confession, uh, which is where we left off last time. We um, uh, Last time we were checking out... We had looked at Articles 1, which was kind of recapitulating the doctrine of God um, as outlined and affirmed by the Council of Nicaea, uh, but then also um, in the Nicene Creed, which flows out of the Council of Nicaea, um, uh, which underscores the Trinity, that there's one God, three persons, one divine essence, three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, that uh, the Lutherans were adamant in in uh, making their case again and again and restating that we're not tri-theists. We're, we're holding to solid confessional Christian teachings, um, that they were creedal and that they subscribed to the Nicene Creed. And uh, But then also we looked at Article 2 in that of uh, Original Sin. And the really big takeaway is that Um, The Lutherans underscored the biblical teaching of original or total depravity, original sin, that at birth or even at conception, we see in Psalm 51, that we were all born with a sinful nature. And the the tricky word that uh, the confessors used, or at least as it's translated into English, is concupiscence. Mm -hmm. And the idea there is, I guess you could say, is is the sickness of sin. It's a disease that we're born with, like a virus, and that is um, that in and of itself is is sin. It's it's not a proclivity to sin um, per se. I mean, it certainly it certainly gives us a dis- a disposition towards sin, but it is sin in and of itself, and that's mm-hmm. what that's what the confessors are trying to underscore. It's not just that like. We're, we're like the leaning tower of Pisa that has a list to one side. And we have a, there's an inclination or a, or a, a proclivity to falling over. Mm. <laughs> we are fallen. Right. <laughs> we are fallen. Um, and um, that's really important because um, this flows into really the next two articles of the Augsburg Confession. That being Article 3, the Son of God who jesus is and what he had come to do and why that's so significant but then also article four which is the article on justification and if we if we don't understand what i'll, what I'll often say in bible information classes is that somebody might be really scandalized or offended by like why lesson one or lesson two is sin you're like what why are we talking about this thing is though is that in order for us to 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 really sink our teeth into and understand the good news that we have and we have to first talk about why we needed good news in the first place Mm. um so but uh before we do that i guess i don't know i mean we kind of we kind of ended article two maybe we wanted to get into it a little bit more I don't know, Jacob. After a week of percolating on this stuff, was there any other stuff that you wanted to add? It you 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 wanted to add either to Article One or Article Two?
1: Yeah. So I think uh, I think the only thing that we missed last week was that second paragraph, right? Which was yeah. basically our churches condemn the Pelagians and others who deny the original depravity is or that original depravity is sin. So I don't. know, Do you want to define depra- or plate or, or excuse me, uh, Pelagianism?
0: Yeah. So. I guess how some people have defined it is that there's this divine spark in you mm-hmm. that um, basically you at birth are equipped with all of the faculties and resources you need in order to, to find God, discover God, and work yourself into a right relationship with God. Uh, so your intellect, will, and emotions are um, are maybe maybe tainted, but they're completely... Um, there is a, not to say that there isn't a sufficiency in that kind of like the natural knowledge of God. It's not saying, this is not what they're getting at. The, the, the Lutheran confessors are not denying that, that God has, you know, written eternity on the hearts of men or that he has, as uh, Jay Warner Wallace has said, you know, the Christian apologist that, you know, that his fingerprints can be seen by humanity across the cosmic crime scene of creation. Like through by observation of nature, we can we can rightfully and rationally discern and come to the conclusion that there that there's a creator, but that's not what they're getting at. They're talking about how I can by my own thinking or choosing or by my own willing uh, or willfulness or volition or by my own faithfulness or by my own inner meditation or observation of the world or my devoutness or devotedness or my own goodness, I can somehow work my way up to being in a right relationship with God. I can somehow okay. ascend the ladder or I can somehow... Um, I can be my own savior pretty much.
1: Yeah, and so essentially within the Pelagian system, you also have... Well, they would completely deny any kind of inherited or imputed sin right Right. so basically uh adam just kind of serves as a bad example to us that we i guess tend to follow you know right more times than often so it's not so much that we inherit a sin nature from adam but that he just kind of serves you know as that bad example
0: that's a and that's a good point um i think another thing too is that you'll um uh I think what you're also gonna find is you're gonna find people across the spectrum on this. I think if you sit in say like a seminary course or at like a in maybe a highfalutin theologian language, they might talk about things in terms of crass Pelagianism versus mm. semi Pelagianism. Yeah. And if you're listening and you're like, what what's that? Um first of all, Pelagianism comes from this guy named Pelagius, who more or less was pushing or advocating for what we've just described—that that basically um, he he presented an anthropology or a, a kind of a doctrine of man, where basically man is either contributes either some of the some of the part or or all of it. He either he either um, completely has a, a full a hundred percent hand in his salvation, or he's got a fifty percent hand in his salvation. Where it's like either he. He runs the whole race, like he he spans the gauntlet, or um or he has this relay race where like Jesus runs the first half, mm. he hands you the baton, and then you need now to finish it out, um, or inverse where you have to run the first fifty percent and then you have to hand the baton over to Jesus and then he'll finish the rest of the race for you, um, however you want to describe it. But either way, I mean that's the the Lutherans are these christian confessors are condemning and again just to clarify what they're condemning is um, they're condemning a worldview or a a philosophical or theological system that is inconsistent or incompatible with what the bible says because you're going to see that also as they're making as they'll make their positive assertions of here's who what we are here's who we are and here's what we're not or here's who we're not you're going to hear this again and again and again that they're going to condemn belief systems that, in view of Scripture, are inconsistent or incompatible. That they do not present the clear teachings of the Word of God. In this case, they're they're talking about Pelagianism, which again is a is a uh, incorrect anthropology or doctrine of man, where basically we are not. Um, we're not as sinful as the bible says we are. <laughs> uh maybe in short that that um and you kind of see this um sometimes people would say, you know, i no one's born inherently bad. We're all born inherently good. Yeah. Or everybody is born everybody's born good and it's our culture or an environment that like puts us on a path of bad. Hmm. I mean, how can you look at, you know, those that cute Gerber baby and say that child is born sinful i mean how can you call such a beautiful face sinful you know and but yeah. we we do all sorts of this kind of stuff to um uh maybe crassly put to you know putting makeup on a pig <laughs> <laughs> to to make ourselves not be as bad as we actually are or to kind of deny the reality that we were not just born with a with a um like I said, a proclivity or disposition towards doing evil, which I do think some, you you, you sense this in some other camps that are very much, I, I've i seen this anyway, that when in camps that are very determined to protect the sovereignty of man's will, and not I'm not talking about um, will in terms of me getting up this morning and did I, you know, me making a choice or a decision to eat Fruity Pebbles versus Captain Crunch Right. or pancakes versus waffles. This is talking about my relationship with God and and basic and my my will in relation to salvation, which we are going to get to and the confessors are going to get to. Unfortunately, not for a couple more articles, yeah. <laughs> but you stick with <laughs> us if you're listening. Um, we're going to get to that eventually. <laughs> but um, we're talking about in terms of salvation, my basically human faculty in relation to my right standing with God and my confidence before God, and why it is so critical um, that it is impressed that uh, the our original depravity, the our our total depravity, our original sinfulness, the concupiscence, the the disease of sin that we have inherited—that is sin of itself. It's not. Um, I can't say you know. Oh, I'm a, I'm a victim of circumstance, or oh, this only this this. Like I'm handicapped, but I'm still, I'm still able to, you know, I still have the divine spark in me. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible paints a picture that we're born spiritually blind, deaf, dumb, and dead, a spiritual corpse that has flatlined, that cannot resuscitate itself. It cannot bring itself to life. Um, as as silly as somebody who has gone into cardiac arrest, they flatlined as silly as it would be for them to then suddenly wake up and look at the EMT and say, Hey, can you give me one of the paddles? I'll take the other, you know, you take one, I'll take the other one in on the count of three. We'll zap myself. We're going to work a miracle and zap myself to life. <laughs> as silly as that sounds, that's on a spiritual level. That's exactly, I mean, it, it would be just as silly for me to say I, a spiritual lifeless corpse could somehow, you know, I could overcome the hurdle that is my original sinfulness my blindness my deafness my dumbness and somehow bring myself to faith or bring myself to life or somehow work myself into a right relationship with god or ascend the ladder to to get at his level or somehow produce a um a confidence before god in myself i i couldn't do it because of this which is why again um, that article, that or that paragraph that Jacob read, our churches condemn the Pelagians and others who deny that original depravity is sin. And here's why. What is a consequence of denying that original depravity is sin? It obscures the glory of Christ's merit and benefits. That if I, if I don't get this right, if I'm off on this, it's going to start to show itself in other doctrines that are very clearly presented in the Bible too. Mm-hmm. Namely, who Jesus is, why we need Him, and also the doctrine of justification—the doctrine which is often said, the doctrine by which the church stands and falls, mm-hmm. or stands or falls, I should say. So it's that they put this out at the forefront. It's it's a it it, for, it certainly has logical sequence that it flows from this to who Jesus is, but then also the doctrine of justification. But also, um, if we screw this up. <laughs> we're going to screw this up in other areas. Um, I've heard, uh, you know, you've mentioned, you've given a shout out to the, to the 1517 guys. Oh yeah. Um, You know, the guys at the thinking fellows, for example, though, and which is definitely historically backed up without a doubt that um, one, it has been often said that a big doctrine that was, that reemerged really to where it needed to be again was the doctrine of justification. But, but not just the doctrine of justification. The You see this right here. The, another doctrine that um, reemerged to where it needed to be in terms of its clarity and presentation was the doctrine of original sin. Hmm. That that had been lost in the, the sea of, you know, well, if, if according to the Catholic Church, that um, as long as you do the good that is in you, you'll be all right. Yeah. As long as... You know, you just live the law of love.
1: Yeah. I mean, once the West rediscovered Aristotle, like, uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. Original sin was just marred, you know. Because, of course, then you had this basically this once they, like, rediscovered sc- 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 a lot of Aristotelian thought, uh, you know, I mean, you basically had them trying to merge, you know, this, you know, Greek philosophy with scripture, you know, and yeah. so suddenly you start because, uh, one of the, I think one of the famous, uh, things that Aristotle, uh, said was that, uh, oh, what was it? I can't think of it right now. <laughs> Sorry, but...
0: No, it's all right. It's, uh, you make a really good point about the, um, Aristotelianism finding ways, like, in a, and this is not to knock, um... This is not to knock the use of the utility of reason or philosophy even or just um the love of wisdom in in general but this is getting at philosophies that try to creep their way in and set up shop within the christian faith in a in a very adversative detrimental way where basically extra biblical models now impose themselves on the words of scripture Maybe an analogy you could use is now the the, the cart is dragging the horse. <laughs> yeah. The the tail is wagging the dog now. Where something outside the Bible is now telling the Bible what to say. It's like a puppet. Where where, you know, this lifeless hand you know, sock puppet is now the pages of scripture and the mm-hmm. hand inside of it is philosophy. Yeah. Man made, man derived philosophy. And it's telling the Bible what to say um the lens through which I I view the pages of scripture, it's now something extra biblical as opposed to something biblical. Yeah. And so uh you're you're right. If if my anthropology launches human reason as the lens through which I view everything, we're gonna get into some problems. Instead of let every argument be made captive to Christ. Mm. Let every argument be made captive to Scripture. My human reason bends the knee to is a servant to the words of god it's not it's not the bible's lord it's the bible's servant (laughs) um same thing with our same thing with our our will and our emotions too these are not these are these are good things that god has given us but i think all of us can agree that even on our best days our intellect our will and emotions are are visibly off Mm. um just the other day i was talking with somebody who um, was we'll put it this way: as they were, as this as this individual was describing her life to me, it was very apparent that she was outlining how original sin has impacted quite adversely her intellect, her will, and her emotions hmm. to the point where how she felt was imposing on what God objectively said about her, or was imposing on what God had objectively said about her. Kind of like if I don't feel forgiven. Am I not forgiven? Hmm. So now my emotions are really are, i I might not realize this, but I've now put them at this I put them on this pedestal where they now are Lord over scripture and they're telling Well They're 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 standing in kind of this arm wrestling match with what Christ has objectively and clearly and powerfully declared from the cross that it is finished, it's done. I've paid it all. Um if the vine is holy, then so are the branches. Hmm. <laughs> but, uh, so it's, it, that's that's kind of what, in a nutshell, that's kind of what the the confessors are really getting at in Article 2, is just um, uh, a need to not only retreat to the words of Scripture, but also in, in, um, such a, a need to retreat to Christ and Him alone. It's on account of Christ that we're, That we're in a right standing before god and it's not because i um because i'm obedient enough submissive enough devout enough or faithful enough um it's purely because of who jesus is and what he what he's done for us that he would be perfect he was the perfect man when i'm when i quite frankly sucked at sucked at it like i i couldn't do it like when i'm a lousy brother when i'm a lousy husband when i'm a lousy friend when i fail as a pastor when i fail as a an employee at bass pro shop you know (laughs) (laughs) christ was he was the perfect all of those things for me for you um but but uh, i'm getting ahead of myself um uh jacob you got any other stuff that we want to really touch on with article two
1: Um, not really, other than I brought up this quote, because for fun this week, I've been kind of flipping through the Council of Trent, and, uh, one of the quotes that, uh, because I was wondering, do you think the reason why they bring up Pelagianism here is, I mean, of course, like, when you're talking original sin, and you're talking about kind of the antithesis to the biblical view of original sin, like, of course, you kind of have to bring up Pelagianism, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh... I just wonder. do you think another reason they brought it up was because, though I'm sure a lot of the, uh, well, the Roman church would obviously deny that they were Pelagian at this time, you know, but considering quotes, well, and, well, I mean, but considering kind of the, what you're talking about, how, you know, you have this, uh, it, it, Basically, how you're talking about the uh, how basically essentially like through virtue you kind of have to fan that flame to there, you go in order to seek after God, you know, like yeah. So, do you think that? Well, I mean, obviously, there was if it wasn't full blown Pelagianism at that time, it, it certainly was a semi Pelagianism, and
0: even even today, if you look at maybe it's the Council of Trent. Yeah. Or maybe it's some other Catholic teaching that's presented. Um, quite unfortunately, um, you probably would find some agreement with semi-Pelagianism in their in their doctrines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where you and we're going to get into this. You're you're going to notice that when we get to per your comment, Jacob, the fanning, the flame, the kind of throwing kindling on the on the little tiny fire that's in you, yeah. and just as long as you're feeding the fire, then you're you're all right. Um, when we get to, um, you're going to notice in the Augsburg Confession that when we get to, let me see here, when we get to the article 20 on good works, Mm. suddenly the amount of content that they write, like right now we're, you know, like what, how many paragraphs are we reading? We're reading like just maybe a a handful of sentences. Right. Right. So you notice that when we read Article One, there was hardly much content there. Very, and and, and again, you sense as we're going through this, the less content at that time, um, uh, circumstantially speaking. There, there wasn't maybe a note or a sense of controversy there between right. the Lutheran confessors and what the Catholic Church was saying about the Lutheran confessors, or just right. the Lutheran Church. But then when we get into the article on good works suddenly you know there are like multiple pages at least in the reader's edition that we're looking at right now there's a lot of content yeah so we might do multiple episodes on that but they're laying a foundation towards you know there's very much a Melanchthon very much sought to to present this in a very logical progression where we're building off of prior building blocks and To your point, the need to, I don't want to call it like a um, kind of a Trojan horse tactic where it's like, all right, we're going to present, you know, we're going to say we're not of the Pelagian camp. Mm. And if we have your head nodding there, then when we get to good works, you know, per your agreement and giving us an amen per article two here, then you're going to have to condemn some of this other stuff that we're seeing evident in the Catholic Church or evident in the church today that that we've gotten the doctrine of good works wrong. Why? Well, we've gotten the doctrine of justification wrong. And another reason we've gotten that wrong is because we've gotten the doctrine of original sin wrong too. Mm. And I, at least that's the impression that I get too, is that there's, they were sensing that Pelagianism had found a commonplace within the Christian church. Yeah. That they had found it starting to set up shop. And like the why behind what we do, motivation matters. Right. I've often in Bible, Bible information classes, I've used the analogy of, you know, my first job that I ever had. I, I cut grass for my, my congregation in Milwaukee, you know, mm. when I was a teenager, my dad's the pastor there and, 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 I'll often ask, um, you know, how do you think I did cutting grass as a teenager? Well, I suppose it maybe depends on my motivation, huh? And, you know, my dad would come out and he would point out like all these skippers and all these little spots that I had missed you know i'm hastily trying to get this done it's a hot summer day you want to knock it out and get it done and that my dad had to come out so many times and point out all these things that i had missed and i'll just ask what do you think my motivation was and everybody says well it's money as a teenager you know and i'm like yeah. you're right those video games and movies won't pay for themselves <laughs> <laughs> you know but when and it my motivation is is absolutely critical here if my motivation is i'm just in it for myself i'm in it to get it for myself um it shows in what we do the why behind what we do as christians it it flows from justification it doesn't precede justification it proceeds from justification it flows from that which christ has won and done and declared to us for us and that's why article four is that on justification and article three is that on the son of god Mm. that these are so critical to have clarified and put out on the outset so that everything else there's going to be a solid foundation for discussing i guess that in a long roundabout answer that's that's maybe what i would get at why why bring up pelagianism yeah,
1: and I'll definitely say, like, when I first read through the Augsburg Confession, one of the things that really surprised me was how they basically only use about a paragraph to talk about justification. I thought, considering that it's kind of like the chief point, if you will, that they're trying to make, I assumed that it was going to be, you know, similar to the Good, good the, the good Work yep. article, where I, I thought originally it was going to be, you know, pages, but... You know, and and do you think it it's that way because they assume that their understanding of justification was so biblical that there was really no controversy at all? You know, or uh, or do you think it was just because I don't know, like they assume that you know the opposition you know already had a decent understanding.
0: Well, of- if you get to as you've already mentioned, when you get when you arrive at the Council of Trent, you definitely see that anybody who says that quite vehemently stated anybody who contests that we are justified by faith apart from works let them be Mm. anathema um and i'm willing to bet that that same attitude very vociferously was was present at the time of luther too as Mm. it was um i that's that's a good question i'm sure that um i'm sure that some other people might have some contributions to that too i I think maybe, maybe, um, as you, like we see in the article on repentance and the articles on good works, um, some key words and terms are going to be fleshed out a lot more, Hmm. um, that are incredibly important in the conversation that maybe you don't see fleshed out entirely here. Um, and we're, we're going to get to justification a little bit here, but, um, for example, If I, words like, um, oh yeah, words like justify and words like faith, depending on who you're talking with, they're going to mean something completely different than what the Bible says. Hmm. So if you're having a conversation with um, some folks within the Catholic church, they're going to understand faith to be the intellectual assent where it's like, I'm now, I'm comprehending, understanding that which the Bible says. They would not talk about faith as a trust. Hmm. It's kind of like a head knowledge versus a heart knowledge thing. Yeah. And um, whereas the Lutheran confessors are presenting a biblical definition of what faith is. It is a trust. It's not, first of all, it's not a work that I generate within myself. It is something that that God works through his word. We're going to get to that in a little bit here. Um, namely when we get to article five on the ministry, um, that being the ministry of the proclaimed word, we're going to get to that in a minute. But, um, uh, the Lutheran confessors presented faith as a, as a trust that God works through his word through the, you know, by the hearing of, of his word, it is a trust in Jesus as the sole sufficient source of our salvation, the rock upon which we stand. Hmm. And there is no other, there is no other foundation. Uh, but also say words like grace is another thing that you're going to see fleshed out in the latter sections, maybe those lengthier sections. Yeah. When we get to the article on works, you're going to see that's when grace, what grace is, is maybe fleshed out a little bit, and maybe some other articles in the Augsburg Confession. Today, people will talk, or the Catholic Church will talk about grace as gas in the tank. Hmm. i often put it. How you do you do good works to get more grace you do and then that grace allows you to do more good works which allows you to get more grace which allows you to do more good works and little by little your your car proverbial car so to speak is getting from where you are to the mansions of heaven mm-hmm. Therefore, they can say with us in view of Ephesians 9, nine, it is by grace that you are saved. <laughs> Just as it is by gas that you get from here to Door County, Wisconsin, or from here to you know, wherever. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's uh, but again, and that's that that is where I, I think a lot of modern controversies with the Bible come from, is that mm. I've imported an improper or unbiblical or extra biblical definition. It's a semantic game. I've, yeah. I've kind of like ushered in and, and like uh, snuck in like a Trojan horse almost. Um, it 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 has the guise of the word grace, but actually, what's inside is something completely not biblical, mm-hmm. unsafe and unsound even. So we're gonna. That is a good question. I, mean, I guess I could look into that a little bit more. Why one art one like one paragraph on the article of justification. Um, maybe they felt, you know what, we've, we've, said, we've stated this so succinctly. Um, it's also one of those things where if you're planning on hitting it more thoroughly later on. Right. That's true. Uh, no doubt. Another thing, too, is that all these articles, while they certainly have the headings of, say, the Son of God or justification, the ministry, or new obedience, that isn't to say that these doctrines are not touched on or expounded on later on. Um, as you, I think, I think regardless of where you're at in your Christian faith, you find out very quickly that the teachings of Scripture are all interwoven together. Like, I'll often talk about, you know, what we do, that is, you know, maybe the Great Commission, to go and tell people about Jesus, share the good news of the gospel, to live a life out of love for God and love for neighbor, in view of how much we're loved. What we do is never divorced or separated from why we do it you know you see in romans 12 therefore in view of god's mercy offer yourselves as living sacrifices Mm. what we do is never divorced or separated from why we do it in fact if you want to present quite clearly we talk about sanctification what we do living our life of faith that must that must always flow from the gospel not the law we don't want to confuse. Uh, we don't want to confuse uh, law with gospel. There, make the law do that which only the gospel does. The letter kills; the spirit gives life. Right. Um, but I guess that's a that was a very lengthy intro- introduction to an article that we're we're not even at yet. We're <laughs> but 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 well, technically yes, we are, but we have to go through Article Three first. I guess uh, Jacob, you wanna um, you wanna read. Article 3? Sure thing. Yeah. Or maybe and we could read, say, what, up to, like, read paragra- up to paragraph 3? Up to paragraph 3? Uh, yeah. Actually, you I'll know what? It. Let's read... Let's just read the whole thing.
1: Whole thing? Yeah. All right. Our churches teach that the word that is the Son of God assume the human nature in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So there are two natures, the divine and the human, and separately joined in one person. There is one Christ, true God and true man, who was born of the virgin Mary, truly suffered, was crucified, died and was buried. He did this to reconcile the father to us and to be a sacrifice not only for original guilt, but also for all actual sins of mankind. He all, he descended into hell and truly rose again on the third day. Afterward, he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the father. There he forever reigns and has dominion over all creatures. He sanctifies those who believe in him by sending the Holy Spirit into their hearts to rule, comfort, and make them alive. He defends them against the power, or against the devil, and the power of sin. The same Christ will openly come again to judge the living and the dead, and so forth, according to the Apostles' Creed.
0: I like that last line, where basically they were, notice, as you were listening to that, um, if you go to a congregation that regularly recites the Apostles' Creed, I'm sure you were like, this language sounds incredibly familiar. Mm. And that was intended. <laughs> they, they're, I don't want to say parroting the words of the Apostles' Creed, but it's like, hey, again, we're creedal Christians. We're not, we're not subverting these historic Christian confessions of faith. Um, notice how it underscores, again, that the Word is the Son of God. This was This was something that was brought up in Article 1. So again, kind of what you were saying, Jacob, is you're going to find them touching on points that were made earlier and restating them as they relate to the particular doctrine under discussion. Um, It underscores that there are two natures, the divine and human nature, inseparately joined in one person. Um, It's not saying there are two Christs. There is one Christ, true God and true man. Um, I've often referred to that as this is just divine math that God does not um, expect us to completely rationalize or wrap our minds around. Again, um, we let human reason be captive to the words of Scripture, and uh, and I like what they say. Um, when I when I hear this, you know my my response is is that of humble adoration and and uh, appreciation for this, even if I can't understand it. But what I um, what they do impress in here is that we needed a Savior who is not only true God, but also true man. That he would be born under God's law, as we are under God's law, to redeem mm. us under God's law, as we see in Galatians 4. Um, in order to do that, he would need He needed to put skin in the game, Yeah. literally. <laughs> he needed to suffer and die. He needed to bleed for us. He needed to be perfect and shed his blood for us. Um, that he is perfect underscores the importance and and necessity that he is, that our savior be true God. Um, that his death would be worth the world. If I hopped on a cross, you would just find a dead pastor. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) You would not find the propitiating sacrifice for the sins of the entire world. You would not find, um... The soul source, the fount of every blessing. You wouldn't find that. You'd find a dead hipster pastor, is what you'd find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you'd find. But that Jesus is true God and true man. That he was. That he lived a perfect life and then died for us means that his his death is worth the world. He is the Lamb of God, as John says, who takes away the sins of the world. Mm. I also note. Did you catch that? Where he said, um. He did this to reconcile the Father to us and be a sacrifice, not only for original guilt, but also for all actual sins of mankind. At that time anyway, and I do, at least I sense this today too, that um, original guilt and actual sins are kind of separated from each other in that they would talk about um, maybe, maybe someone might say original guilt or original sin isn't damning. Or, um, at least today, I think that the point of baptism, at least as it's presented in the Catholic Church, is that baptism takes away the original guilt that we had, or original sin that we were born with. Yeah. Basically now setting you up for a life of obedience. Yeah. Um, which, notice how it, it underscores that it, it puts that same total depravity or original sin right next to actual sins, lest I think that somehow that one is sin and the other's not, or one is sickness and the other's not, or that one um, incapacitates me from saving myself and the other does not. (laughs) Right. I mean,
1: basically, in Roman Catholicism, baptism is just kind of like the, uh, it kind of puts you in the boat, and now that you're in the boat, it's kind of your job to paddle, you know?
0: That's it. That's actually a great way to put it, kind of like a canoe. Yeah. Where it's like you have your paddle and Jesus has his. Yeah. And as long as we're paddling together, <laughs> we're gonna get to where we need to right. go. And here's the thing: is that we had no oars in the water. Let's just keep, let's just run with that analogy for a little bit. Original mm-hmm. sin in relation to who Jesus is, uh, why we needed a savior, such as such as our God and Savior Jesus. Um, we not only ride in this boat analogy, we had we had no oars. Hmm. It's not even like we just had one and we're going in circles. We had none. And to make matters worse, there's a hole in the boat. <laughs> and we're taking in water. Yeah. Or better yet, we're drowning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a boat at all. <laughs> so um what it's again it it uh this flows very naturally of the previous article, but also notice how it just it it's just poetically expounding on the words of the Apostles Creed and if I didn't catch it while I'm hearing it, notice how it just says at the end, and so forth, according to the Apostles Creed. Um so yeah.
1: Yeah. Um Yeah, and one of the things uh at this portion of of the article, one of the things I wanted to point out was I really like how how it's worded that Christ truly suffered was crucified died and was buried and so one of the things i appreciate about that is that you know they're essentially asserting that our faith is not just built on myths but on an actual historic person and historic events yeah you know because uh one of my favorite genres of literature is mythology and one of the things because uh, even uh Dr. Jordan Peterson points this out in his yep. podcast where one of the things that separates Christ from Horus or Zeus or Odin or any other, you know, god is that we is that the the holy texts where he's written about uh, can actually pinpoint him to a specific part of history mm-hmm. and and that there's actual historic evidence that he in fact was real, you know, that that, right. that he existed existed in 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 time and space, yeah. You know? And so one of the things that I appreciate is that word "truly" that that they put in there that this really did happen. Yep. You know
0: that happened, and it, it, that word in there is there twice. That this and exactly what you're getting at that God, contrary to other religions that unfold in the anecdotal, where it's just some dude had a vision and he wrote it down, and it's, yeah. I need you to believe it now. Yeah. Because God told me this is what <laughs> happened, but that God would. That he would put skin in the game meant he would marry, in some ways, he would he would visibly communicate his fidelity to, to to the creation that he had made by then becoming part of his creation. That he would then take on humanity. And that he would marry his plan of salvation to space and time. Hmm. That he would marry the unfolding of salvation history to the events of real history. This is not some parallel universe or parallel events that maybe loosely intersect with real time mm-hmm. and space no this actually unfolded in the nuts and bolts of history yeah like and here's the other beautiful thing too is that by doing so you can then investigate these things for yourself
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know um you, you get that sense either from the the book of john or the book of Luther, luke or the other gospels too that you can investigate these things um that this didn't unfold in some dark alley or back corner um but that there were eyewitnesses to this mm. um with every added historic event historic place or historic character you increase the falsifiability of these claims that you're presenting as true and as soon as we hear that you know maybe you know a christian might be saying what We're increasing the falsifiability of scripture or falsifiability of the, the, you know, the gospel. Um, That's actually an advantageous thing. Mm. As soon as you incorporate things that people could cross-reference or they could, if this, so for example, the Apostle Paul, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, what does he then say? Our faith is futile. We're still dead in our sins. Show me the bones of Jesus of Nazareth, and you've undone the sweater that is Christianity to a ball of, of yarn. Mm. To a, a pile of yarn. And that's an that's an asset to the Christian faith. Con you know, contrary to you know a dude who got a revelation recorded on you know, two yeah. golden tablets or something, <laughs> you know, or, or he received these two golden tablets, or I, I you know, put, and, and put
1: him in a hat, uh, right? Read it to his friend, right. While he was looking into the hat, he had his face literally in the hat,
0: right? But these things, so basically, this wasn't like some dream or vision. Certainly, you have prophetic visions that take place by, you know, that prophets of God would speak these things, um, but these are always in step, flowing from. Authenticated word of God, um, where uh, it kind of like what you were saying, Jacob. Where these these events are married to historical events and places and people that I can then cross-reference and see these things did in fact happen. I'm not talking about a some parallel universe. This is this is this is reality. Um, we're a, we're we're grossly at time. Grossly at time. Yeah, we're like we're. <laughs> We're like a couple minutes over, so we'll, we can wind up this. Uh, we'll wind up this episode, and we'll pick up on Article Three next week. Thanks for hanging out, everybody.